Welcome to Pro Soccer Weekly. Pro Soccer Weekly. Welcome to Pro Soccer Weekly. My name is Phil Nasons, and I'm one of the hosts of this weekly podcast dedicated to the sport of soccer, specifically to betting on soccer. You can find us daily at CSN Radio. That's 7 p.m. Eastern. That's a great channel. We love to have you there. You can find our picks at cashwithflash.com or lately we've been giving them out on Instagram at cashwithflash. You can listen to the program at philnasonshow.com as part of the Cash With Flash Best Bets radio network. Please welcome my co-hosts, Eric Laurendini and Gary Lewis, to their own show. What's happening, fellas? Good evening, Phil. Good evening, Eric. How's everybody over there? Everybody's trying to recover from the inauguration. (laughs) Happy to get on with life, I guess. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Jesus, if there's not enough going on in the world at the moment, wow. Well, yeah, Um, it's horrible here. I mean, it, I never thought America would get to this level, but I guess it did. I don't know what to say about it other than the fact that Miami, at least, looks a little better now that Phil Neville is going to be their manager. Is that correct? Yep, that is correct. Um, Phil, uh, I, I, I was involved, obviously, with United for a period of time. and He's a couple of years older than me, but... Um, you know, we, we all used to train together on a regular basis and, um, you know, obviously he went on to a, having a stellar career um, and, you know, he's, he's been involved in coaching. He's been, you know, really keen on, on, on his coaching over the last sort of five, six years. And obviously, you know, most recently, the um, the manager of, of England's uh, women's national team, um, you know, I, I, by all accounts, he's, um, he's taken his... His, his work ethic and his determination and his you know his, his pedigree from from the field onto the uh, onto the into, into the coaching arena um, and and you know he's he has real real big accolades over over here you know in terms of his um, his coaching ideas and uh, the way he works and the way he looks after people and things like that so I mean listen you know we we heard about this you know a while ago. Uh, so I don't think it's any surprise coming, coming, you know, coming from from over here in terms of his relationship with with obviously David Beckham and you know obviously they're both co-owners of uh, of Salford Salford City over here. Uh, um, so I think that was uh, it was always on the cards. It was a natural natural progression, and you know I think somebody who's relatively young in terms of, of management, um, but uh, you know in terms of you know playing career and wealth of knowledge, he's you know, he's, he's, he's as good as anybody in terms of um, turning from player to to coach. So I think fabulous, fabulous news for um, for for Miami. Um, you know, I think he's um, he's 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 he'll, listen. He'll bring some different ideas. You know, he'll, he'll bring a European type of mentality and English mentality to um, to the guys over in Miami. And I think that's what's that's something that David Beckham has been looking for for. Uh, for a while, it's interesting though. Rennie Mullenstein, who was Alex Ferguson's number two, was um, was actually touted uh, for for the role, but he's he's currently out over in uh, Australia. Um, and you know, Phil was obviously you know a candidate, and and they've decided to go with Phil. So listen, good luck to him. Absolutely. Now, doesn't David Beckham own that team, Eric? Yes, he does. He's one of the owners or part of the ownership group of uh, of. Uh... Yeah, Inter Miami, 
Um, and that's something that, you know, they set that up many, many years ago before they, um, they, they were, they were going to get one of the next MLS franchises, uh, when they came out, um, you know, last year. So that's something that, that was in the cards for, I would say a good two, three years, maybe longer at that point. Uh, those conversations probably started at the moment he came to the MLS, uh, and, uh, you know, I think he's, uh, destined or they were destined to, or to, to purchase an MLS franchise. Um, and, uh, you know, considering he was one of the first or probably most iconic player to come over here when the MLS started bringing in, uh, you know, players of, of his sort from, from overseas, but, you know, to get back to Phil, you know, first off, let's wish Phil a happy birthday. Okay. Today's his birthday. He's 44 years old. Um, you know, his, his playing career again, yeah, <laughs> a, a, again, <laughs> his, his playing career, you know, it, 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 you know, it was shared if I remember correctly between United and, and Everton. Um, he played probably about 18 years, uh, in, in the premiership. Uh, he's played under some great coaches, uh, and he's had the ability to learn from, from coaches of the, of the of status of, uh, of Ferguson, um, you know, he's played uh, under David Moyes. He's played uh, or he was involved with, uh, I think, uh, Nuno Santo, uh, who's the Wolves manager now. So, I mean, the the coaching um, tree that he's that he's come from, you know, or that he's learned from is is quite impressive. Uh, I think he would have come earlier to uh, Miami if it weren't for his contract with the Lionesses, uh, the, the women's national cup team, uh, the women's uh, national team in the UK. Um, but I think that, you know, he couldn't get out of his contract until this year. Uh, and then the timing just, uh, seemed to be right. So, um, you know, not surprised that he's here, you know, as Gaz stated, I think he's going to add a lot of value. Although, you know, I like to see American coaching jobs go to, to Americans being an American, uh, but I do think that he's going to bring a lot to not only to enter, you know, into into Miami, but uh, to the MLS uh, as well. So, um, you know, he, he comes from a good coaching DNA. You know, he comes from good playing DNA. Uh, you know, Miami's got a lot of room to grow. They finished 10th in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they won only seven games uh, last season. They had a minus 10 goal differential. So plenty of room for for improvement. Uh, and, and I do think that he's a, a good choice uh, for, for that role. I think he's a great choice, but I got a question. Why in heaven's name would a guy with his name, his stature, his, his obvious abilities coaching the women's national team, why would he come to the United States and coach an inferior, in an inferior league? Why would he do that? Is it because of money? Is it, is it a challenge? Why do you think he would do that? I know for sure I wouldn't do it. You guys are coaches. Would you go from that to this? And I'm not putting the MLS down, but it's not exactly on the top of the charts when people think of pro soccer leagues, correct? I'll give you one word. Miami. Okay, that's fair. And there's no state. Well, he didn't have to pay them anyway. Okay. He likes the, he likes the weather. Well, He's going there for the weather. I mean, yeah. Well, there Would you go. Would he go to somewhere like Portland? You know, probably not. You know, this is this Miami's one of the most iconic cities on the planet. I mean... You know, there's a huge Latino community there. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of, you know, made up predominantly of Cuban-Americans. And, uh, you know, I think they're, obviously, they, they prefer baseball over over soccer, over football. Um, you know, so I think, 
in terms of location, I mean, listen, you know, doing my research on this, I mean, you know, for me, it's complete. It's the complete opposite of, of as to how football clubs work over in the rest of the world. You know, you can buy into, you know, the top league in a country. I mean, for me, that's wrong on every single level. But listen, this is a business. It's, you know, there's, I think the Miami Fusion were, were the uh, most recognised team in the uh, in the area and they played, you know, 20-odd years ago, something like that, and they've never really had a franchise. But, you know, the word franchise for me in, in, in football, I mean, it doesn't exist anywhere else on the planet, which, you know, we've, we, we've said this many, many times, it, it does make a mockery of the MLS. Um, you know, I think everybody else around the world, in the football world, would agree with that. But, you know, that being said... Um, you know, we've alluded to this on a on a few shows. You know, the MLS is starting to become a breeding ground for for youngsters, as opposed to retiring superstars. You know, for one last paycheck, which I 100% agree with being involved in. You know, developing kids for, you know, for the best part of the last 20 years. So, you know, I don't listen. I don't think it'll be for money. It definitely won't be for money. I mean, he's already you know an extremely wealthy guy from his playing career and you know the the coaching side of things and and other interests that he's got so you know financially he's he's more than secure so that that won't play a part i mean i think obviously david beckham's been over there close friends you know what he did for the mls was was unbelievable i mean I, you know david beckham's a brand at the end of the day and and i don't think any other player i mean i don't even think even lionel messi going over there would have, a, you know, the same impact as what David Beckham would have, albeit both global superstars. But obviously, David Beckham's sort of an an A-list within an A-list type celebrity. Um, so uh, he would have sold the project to him. He would have, you know, shown him the project, outlined the infrastructure of what they want to do. Because I know, you know, I know David Beckham wants to um, create a, a European English type soccer academy. Where obviously we have, you know, you have the kids in from under eights, under nines, right the way through, and you have, you know, the same sort of processes we have over here, and and in Europe and everywhere else on the planet, um, you know, so that that'll be um, that'll be really interesting uh, to to see if, if if they can do that. I think one of the one of the you know the funniest things for me was like you know they were allowed into the MLS um, based on the fact that they would have a stadium built within, you know, a period of time. And obviously that, that hasn't come to fruition. They're playing in Fort Lauderdale, I believe at the moment, which is what 25, 30 miles North of, of, uh, of Miami. Um, but I think, you know, there's, there's obviously plans to build a, a new stadium that should be, you know, up and running by sometime in 2022. Um, so I think, you know, they've got sort of out of jail in, 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 in that respect, but, um, Listen, I, Miami's Miami. You know, I, I'm unfortunately I've never been there before, uh, but obviously we, we we both know Brian, we both know Yossi uh, in the American football world, um, and uh, by all accounts, it's one of the best cities on on the on the planet. You boys will know better than me, so I think that would be one of the major um, major reasons why he's going there. But yeah, like you say, Phil, I think it'll be a challenge for him. And you know, listen, sometimes you've got challenges and projects, and I think sometimes projects will sort of you know outweigh the, the the challenge in terms of pros and cons because for me this would be this would be something spectacular if, if you know they get it right on and off the pitch and that's just it if they get it right eric would you take that job would you go from all that in england where you're a hero a national hero you coach the national team you've got the hammer 
to go into coach who knows who in Miami. Listen, I, I think his relationship with Beckham is compelling. Um, and that's, that was a sufficient enough reason for him to go there. You know, as Gastetti laid, laid out a project for him that, that made sense. I do think that everything you do in coaching is a step to get to the next level. Um, he hadn't had any opportunities to be a first team manager at, at, at the top level in, in, in England. Um, I think the closest he got was the assistant manager under his brother at Valencia. Um, but I think that this is a great opportunity for him to prove himself in the U.S. It will open up doors for him to come back into England uh, and coach whenever, wherever, you know, should he be successful here. Um, I, I do think it's a good move for him. And, you know, hey, at the end of the day, all you know is that his wife wanted to move to Miami and that was what decided it for him. So, you know what? I think ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a good move. I think he'll bring value. I think it'll bring value to his coaching career, and it'll open up doors down the road for him. I wouldn't have done it. I, I just wouldn't have done it. You know, I, I've gone to help out friends occasionally and taken a way step backward, but I do that because I'm retired and can. He still wants to coach. And, well, whatever. I, I would have probably taken an assistance role in the EPL, continue coaching my national team, and carried on. I get the whole relationship thing, but you know what? At the end of the day, if he doesn't win, that relationship doesn't mean anything because David Beckham will sack him. Is that correct? If he doesn't win, he gets sacked, right? Friend or no friend? Well, well, yeah. I mean, right. I, I mean, they're both, you know, along in the tooth in terms of you know friendship and they, you know they grew up together basically. Of course they did. Um, you know, from twelve, thirteen years of age, David Beckham was up all, up in Manchester. Uh, you know, and a good friend of mine is is his closest friend now. Um, you know, we used to kick balls around on the streets together when we were when we were kids and things like that. And you know, one of the biggest things that Alex Ferguson instilled in everybody at Manchester United, as we've talked about before, was the togetherness and camaraderie and you know you know teammates basically. You know, you look after each other, you win, you lose, you draw, whatever it may be. But you know, this is business at the end of the day, and and, and Beckham will stand. To, to gain an awful lot and lose an awful lot. But, you know, listen, let's make no bones about it. Phil Neville will be going over there and David Beckham will be the same. They would have had the conversation as friends and as and, and as um, employee and employer. Um, there's no, no no doubt about that. The, the football world is, is, you know, unrelenting and it's ruthless. And, you know, if things don't go well, then, you know, unless there's any, you know, ill feeling or, you know, disagreements here and there, you know, and, and broken promises and things like that, which you can't see, then, you know, they'll, if things don't go well, they'll part amicably, amicably and, and, you know, lose each other as business friends, but remain solid friends uh, moving forward. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. I mean, Phil Neville, you know, his work ethic and his, his like I say, his, his attitude, his grit and de determination, he'll give it 100%. And, you know, if that's not good enough, he'll be the first person to hold his hands up. Um, and, you know, you never know if things don't go well. It might be a resignation rather than a than a sacking. You okay. know what I mean? I uh, get pub that. Publicly. So, we know, you know, who knows? I just hope everything goes well for him because he's a good guy. No, I do too. But in the business, if you take a step back like that and he fails in Miami, will he ever get another chance to – will he ever get a chance to be a top flight manager? I don't think it's 
I actually, well, listen, Phil, I don't actually think to see it as a, as a, as a backwards move. I, I oh, really don't. He's going that's to what I'm trying to get to. Of, is it backwards you know, or forwards? A, you know, a major, a major project. But, well, listen, look how many managers over here are English at the moment. You know, there's, there's, there's so many foreign managers over here and in Europe, you know, sort of, you know, demographically. Um, Phil Neville is not in them top echelons at the moment in terms of consideration to be my next manager. So, you know, this will be a stepping stone. He won't see it as a sideways or a backwards move. He'll see this as a stepping stone, you know, for better or for worse. But when you've be, when you you've got the title of a head coach, not an assistant, um, and this is this is obviously there's a circus that comes with David Beckham because of his global status. Now, you know, everybody will be looking at them and think, I hope you fail, I hope you fail, I hope you fail. And it'll be the same here as it is over there and everywhere else. Um, you know, so I have no no doubt in my mind that they will give it 100%, maybe even more. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, they can hold their hands up and say, well, listen, it wasn't the right fit. You know, X, Y, Z, whatever. And I don't think it'll be excuses. It'll be facts. Well, this didn't work, this didn't work. And then that's how a football club evolves. You know, and then they might bring somebody else in with it, with with a bigger name, arguably to 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 Phil Neville. But um, I don't see this as I think this is a stepping stone for for Phil Neville. I really do, and I, and and I think he'll do well. He's going to have a lot of money available as well, so you know that's uh, that's always um, you know there is talk of uh, I've, we've heard snippets when when Phil Neville got announced as the uh, the manager that there was um, um, a little a little uh, um, bid for for Lionel Messi's services somewhere down the line. So, um, you know, that could be interesting because, uh, you know, obviously Beckham and, um, and Messi have been close Adidas friends for uh, a long period of time. So um, watch this space. Okay. Yeah, watch this space. So we're down to eight in the Champions League, and we're going to look at a couple of games today from a betting standpoint, meaning we want – to show you the process that we go through when we're determining these things and and different plays and what you see as a result of that process when you either get the picks for free on Instagram or you come to cashwithflash.com and purchase them. Now, we have Liverpool and Leipzig. Now, I'm going to just, if it's all right with you guys, this is my thing, really, the sports betting world. This is how I do it. And then, Eric, you can follow up because you've been hotter than me. But, again, I'm just a radio host. I don't know diddly squat about soccer, really. Liverpool and Leipzig. Now, the money line, both of them are plus sides. Plus 121, plus 213. And we also have a plus 271 if they choose to draw or if they the game ends in a draw. So when we're looking at that, we're already looking at a profit if we get one of those three picks right, correct? Correct. Correct. Now, look at the total now. That total is over three, under three. Plus 102 is over three. So maybe the bookies don't think it's going to go over three and maybe finish under three at minus 117. So we might as well eliminate the over unless we can come up with four goals. So now we're looking at under three. So what do you think about the draw here at 271? Is that worth a play? 
Well, listen, I, I think that the draw here is, is extremely possible. Um, you know, considering the game still, you know, nearly a month away, so many things can happen, you know, within these squads. You know, you've got new COVID situations, you've got ongoing injuries, form of play. But, you know, these bo- both of these teams are, are powerful teams that have the ability to score goals. Um, I, I do think that the draw is very much a, a possibility. Um, again, like I said, it's way too early to go ahead and, and suggest anything in particular here at this point, and these lines will obviously change uh, between now and then. But, uh, yeah, the draw is not an un- unheard of uh, possibility here. And then it'll come down to the second leg uh, for someone to maybe get that away goal or, or you know, get an outright win. Okay, so now we have to backtrack a bit. These games, there's two games. Now, what people would be listening to this, not familiar with the process, and they would think if this is a two-game knockout, why would anybody want to draw? But it goes by goal aggregate, correct? Correct. So whoever scores the most goals in these two games passes through to the round of eight, correct? Correct. Okay. Now, Gaz, you got we got Liverpool and we've got Leipzig. Who's the better side and why? You've been studying these games. Who's the better team and why? Well, I mean, for me, uh, um, you know, hard as it may be for me to say this, but Liverpool have been probably one of the most exciting teams I've seen over the last three, four years. Um, obviously, under Jurgen Klopp, you know, German coach, um, what what he does, he he has an idea and builds a team around a certain number of players. Where a lot of managers will build a team around one certain player. So he basically um, he basically matches players up in different positions in terms of a spine of a team. So. He'll have a he'll, he, what he does. He'll have a ball, a ball playing centre half, a defender, and you know a, a, a wrecker, as we say, um, somebody who's a tough, determined, dogged, die-hard defender, not blessed with playing ability. Um, can play, don't get me wrong, but um, you know he's he's the one who will make the tackles and 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 you know put his his neck on the line and then lend it to. The, the the ball playing centre half the ball playing centre half will will also make tackles but not in the same way as you know his his partner and and that's the same through the spine the central spine of the team and then he mixes it with flair players and pace um, and um, warriors who will will you know just basically give everything and run on empty to, for for the ninety ninety five minutes and things like that and he's brought he's ble- he blends players. Um, into you know one of the the best smoothies that you, you, you could ever taste, if I can put it like that. Um, you know, they've not been firing on all cylinders. I mean, it's been a stop-start period for everybody in every league, as we all know. We can't predict you know one thing from the next, but you know, for me, Liverpool in the Champions League, um, you know, they've had some of the best nights and. And, and periods over the last, you know, 20, 30 years and most recently the last three, four, five years, won it two years ago. And, you know, Leipzig are a decent team. They're an emerging team. They're a young team. 
a relatively new team, um, you know, in terms of ownership and the project that they've got. They're listen, they're decent. We saw that, um, you know, they, they they got beat at, at Old Trafford, five, what four five now I think it was, and then they go and beat Man U um, on their own on their own patch, um, you know, and 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 beat them really well. You know, so they're still learning in terms of champ. They're still puppies in terms of Champions League and you know their experiences and things like that. But you know, Liverpool for me, as well as and, and again I say it, you know, I don't like saying this. Man City, Liverpool, and Man City over the last five years, six years, City more so, ten years, have been an absolute delight to watch. They play, you know, the brand of football that I want to I want to see. You know, so for me in this one, I, I can I can only see Liverpool. Uh, I agree with maybe the draw in the first game. I really do, because uh, Liverpool, you know, they need to get one or two players back fit and things like that, and you know, regain a little bit of form domestically that will give them the confidence to go into the game. Um, you know, in terms of you know that confidence to get through. Um, but I, you know, I can I can always see Liverpool going through in this. Okay, so when you say that, and, and I get that, when you say that, what I'd like to know though. Can Leipzig pull off an upset? Because at plus two thirteen, if you put a hundred bucks on that, you're going to win two hundred and thirteen or three hundred and thirteen total. Can they do that? Because that's a big favor or big underdog. Can they upset Liverpool in that first round? Can they counter of all course. the things that you said about Liverpool? Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, look at look look at you know, as Eric said, you know, we as we stand there now, you know, we we we've got another three four weeks. You know, there's there's a million and one things that can happen. As we comment on it now, we talk about it now, we scrutinise, analyse it, whatever it may be. Of course, they can. You know, they're um, you know they're flying high in the in the Bundesliga. I mean, nobody's going to catch Bayern Munich as we as we know. You know, that's a sort of foregone conclusion in terms of you know basically who finishes second third fourth in in germany you know but leipzig see the thing is you 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 look at like you know the three three month periods in 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 um a team or a club's progression or dominance or demise whatever it may be these you know they they're running such a tight ship they've a well-oiled machine and you know they're um as a business you know they're, they're doing things properly and they're doing it in stages and these if you look back over their sort of history and the takeover and things like that they've only progressed you know sometimes it might be one step forward two steps back it might be two steps forward one step back it might be three steps forward one step back you know but these guys are, these guys are uh, they've got the financial backing behind them and they're improving year on year i mean who would have thought you know after the 5-0 defeat at Manchester United, they would then beat them at home. I mean, listen, you know, United threw everything and the kitchen sink at them, you know, towards the end of the last 10 minutes in that game and maybe could have got something. But, you know, that was a good learning curve in terms of understanding, you know, the pressure of the Champions League and, you know, you might have a, you know, two, three goal lead and then all of a sudden, you know, you're playing against one of the bigger teams. You know, it's certainly Man United's... um, uh, respect, you know, the, one of the biggest teams on the planet, they're going to come at you, and they, and they dealt with it. So that would have been valuable, valuable experience gained from the young kids, from the experienced pros who've not really tasted that type of 
um, you know, pressure in terms of, wow, this is one of the biggest games we're going to play. Um, yeah, I definitely think they can do. You know, uh, who'd, who'd, who'd have thought that Liverpool would have got beat 7-2 at Aston Villa a few months ago, you know, as champions. So anything is possible in this, in you know, in the current climate that we've got. So, yeah, you know, it would be a good bet to uh, to to bet on the upset. It could be, you know. But the whole point of this exercise today is to look for an edge, to look for the right bet, and to wait for it when it comes out, when we get more information. Now, one of the things that also struck me as odd about this line, and I'm using the bet now lines, is that Liverpool is a half goal. It's a half goal spread. The goal line is a half goal. Somebody has to win by one. Liverpool winning by one plus 120. Leipzig winning by one minus 140. So the bookies think that Leipzig is going to win this game. Or at least score one more goal than Liverpool, which means they're going to win this game. Is that? And you say it's possible. Now, Eck, we've looked at all three of these things. We looked at the over, we looked at the money line, and we looked at the goal line. What would you do if you had to make a decision today, you think? Well, I mean, listen, when I, when I look at a match, okay, I look at a lot of different statistical information. Uh, you know, one of those things might be head-to-head. Well, these two teams have never played each other. So th- those statistics are out the window. You can't, you can't use history uh, for them. Um, I, I, would, I would use, uh, for instance, Leipzig is gaining uh, opportunities and has more experience playing top-flight English Premier League teams. Um, you know, they, uh, last year they beat Tottenham in the competition. This year they finished ahead of United. Uh, and again, as Gaz had said, they lost one, they won one. Um, so they're gaining exposure and experience playing top flight teams. Um, I mean, if I were looking at it, I would say, listen, uh, if you're able to beat a United, why can't it be possible for you to beat uh, a Liverpool? Uh, you know, there's a lot of other statistics that, that I'll look at, um, you know, goal differential. Um, you know, obviously, Liverpool is a far more seasoned team and, and program than uh, Leipzig is at this point. Uh, you know, um, I'll look at, uh, you know, the fact that Liverpool is the only team not to concede uh, a goal before halftime in the group stage. You know, certain things like that factor into uh, my going ahead and making a decision on, on, you know, what I think the real chances are for each team to go ahead and win this match or to go ahead and, and pull off the draw. Okay, again, well, can, I stop, know, can I stop you one second? Because you said something that's sure. important to sports handicappers. What Eric just gave us was an edge. Now, repeat that stat about Liverpool in the first half. They haven't allowed a goal in this entire competition in the first half, correct? Correct. So now what you want to do, when you know that, there's a pretty good chance that that's going to continue. I mean, that's an edge. So you want to look at the prop bets and look at the first half scores and see what those numbers are. Now, those prop bets aren't there yet, but they have this... They have lines for these things, first to score or halftime score. Now, who's gonna? You could probably take Liverpool and get a pretty good bet, maybe out of that. So those are little things that we look for. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I wanted to point that out because you just gave a tremendous tip for this game, whether you even know it or not. Right. That's called well, an edge. I mean- and that's what we want to do when we look for sports betting opportunities. 
we look for an edge. Gaz says that Liverpool has pretty much formed a great team. Maybe they don't play great all the time, but they have everything that the coach wants them to do. They just don't always succeed. Is that right, Gaz? 100%. I mean, listen, domestically and, you know, in Europe, we've we've, we've alluded to this before on, on other shows, you know, there's, there's, there's different personnel, different tactics. You've got to factor in the country you're playing in. And all sorts of different permutations can result in, you know, the, the whatever mitigating circumstances arise from one tie. Um, you know, I think for me, the draw would probably be more of a safer bet in terms of Liverpool being away. Um, you know, obviously they, they, they're going to be travelling. We don't know what injuries they've got, who they play in the following weekend. Obviously, the third in the league at the moment. You know, they need to gain ground. Blah blah blah. Who, who knows what? You know, I think we'll obviously come on to that. You know, the week of the game or the week prior to the game. Um, but listen, Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp, he's, he's back home in Germany. He'll 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 want to send a, a seriously strong side out over there, um, you know, and based on current form, send a statement out in terms of listen, we you know we we, we lost we lost this uh, this competition last year. We won it the previous year, um, you know. We're defending champions of of the Premier League, and I'm in my home country, you know. So that's 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 him his mentality from a personal point of view. Um, so you know the the mindset changes when when you're going abroad, um, you know, especially in you know, especially in this day and age, you know, you know the the travel restrictions and this, that, and the other, and and you know the the protocols and the, whatever you have to deal with uh, when you're actually on the ground, getting from point A to point B. So that might factor into the to to his planning and and how the game may go, you know, which is sad to. To, to say that we're talking about, but um, you know, I think Liverpool will will be looking to to sort of send send a statement out and say, well, listen, we've not had a great start to the to the Premier League, and we're, we're sort of inconsistent, but you know, we've done well in the in, in the Champions League regularly, and um, you know, this is this is maybe our time to get some players back fit and and you know, have a real go at it. Okay, so basically the edge you gave us was a while ago. You're, the coach from Liverpool is from Germany. He's going to want to look good in front of his the cutouts in the stands, and he's going to want to look good because he's on his home soil. He doesn't want to look bad because, obviously, he could have coached in Germany. He's pretty good. So you've got that. So based on everything that I've heard today, and, and these are edges, I'm going to probably, if I had to bet this today, I would bet that Liverpool wins the first half because they haven't allowed a goal yet in the first half of any Champions League game this season. And I will most likely take the under three. I think it's going to end up a two-to-one game and Liverpool wins based on everything that you said. How does that sound? Sounds like that's one way to go. Well, that's one way to go, but that's but that's the information very, very that we possible, yeah, very yeah, possible. That's the information that you've given us. That's see this. I'm what I'm trying to do is to teach the listener 
where we're coming from with some of the plays that we select. And, and that's what I'm trying to do. These edges are there. So what you have to do is look for them. Fortunately, though, we still have three more weeks before we have to even worry about that. But now you see you've looked for an edge. There's a couple things that we've dropped you on this podcast that we've noticed three weeks before the game. And that's called handicapping, folks. I don't even need the lines to do this, really. But I like Liverpool in this game. I don't think Leipzig is going to get there. Maybe they do, but that's my opinion now. Although, we want to wait for injuries. Now, if there was one injury, if one player here makes a difference not being there, who would that be in this game? Does anybody know? Well, I think, listen, I think for me... um, you know, when you've you look at you look at Liverpool and and Virgil Van Dijk is probably the best defender on the planet at the moment, and we were talking about matchups between um, you know solid, you know dogged centre halves matched up with you know ball playing centre halves, and you know Gomez was sort of a rising star coming into the Liverpool first team, you know, a number of years ago, and still a young boy. You know, doing well, establishing himself in the England setup, and you know he's both of them two have been taken out of the equation this 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 season. Whether they'll both play again before the end of the year um, is 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 it for another day. But they certainly won't be playing in this game. Liverpool have had to, um, as we spoke about the other day, um, you know they've, they've they've dropped Jordan Henderson back into the into the back four at times. Um, so I think defensively. Listen, it all depends on whether Jurgen Klopp can do some business um, in, in this January transfer window in terms of getting um, a reliable, I wouldn't say a world-class, because a, you know, a, a world-class centre-half is already cup-tied in Champions League. So whether he can get a reliable pairing um, at the back. So, you know, for me, Leipzig would have a chance, certainly on home turf, in terms of the way they play and, and all out attack, um, you know that's probably for me the, the way I would go if I was a Leipzig manager. Um, Virgil Van Dijk, Joe Gomez, two, you know, really good footballers who um, basically make up the spine of Liverpool's success, and obviously they're unavailable. And to be fair, they have been for you know a number of months now, and they've had to sort of make do and chop and change and things like that. And they and they have to be fair. You know, because of the, you know, the the threat that they carry higher up the field, and that's how they've sort of grinded results out. They're not blasting teams anymore. The the grinding results out. So for me, I think, you know, if 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 you're looking at players that would definitely improve Liverpool's side, um, would be the you know the two defenders. Um, so hopefully, you know. Leipzig will look at that. They certainly will look at that and, and think that that's something that we, we can exploit. So the defense is shaky for Liverpool is what you're saying? Correct. Okay. 100%. You. Perfect. Now, Eric, now we've got a shaky defense for Liverpool. Does that change your opinion of this game? Because now we're adding more well, information. Well, I mean, listen, if if Liverpool doesn't get any of their – uh, Van Dyke's or Gomez is back, and let's assume that they don't come back. If if Liverpool goes down, any additional defenders, they're going to be very suspect 
in my opinion. Um, and and Leipzig is a pressing team. Leipzig puts you under pressure. Leipzig has allowed the least amount of passes before intervening defensively in the Champions League than any other team. And that's by a far margin. I think they allowed less than nine passes before they defensively stepped up and pressed. So should Liverpool lose another defender um, or, or maybe even lose like a Salah up top or something like that where they can't you know, find a target or hold the ball up there? Um, I think Leipzig will press harder knowing that their defense is, 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 is weak uh, and they will tend to go ahead and take advantage of that. You know, conversely, as far as Leipzig is concerned, um, you know, there's some similar issues there. If, if Upa Makamo, uh, you know, as a, as a center back, uh, you know, if he goes down and he's unable to play, you know, they're going to struggle defensively as well. Um, you know, or if an attacking player like an Angelino is not allowed, you know, isn't able to to play uh, his presence on the ball and, and his ability to create, uh, you know, quite important. So, yeah, I mean, if any of these things should happen, it's definitely going to change, you know, my outlook on on the outcome of the game. Um, I changed my outlook on on the United uh, Liverpool game, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I think when uh, Henderson went and played in the, in the, in the center back, that's, that hurts their ability to go ahead and get the ball into attacking positions a little bit better because they don't have the likes of a Van Dyke or a Gomez who can go ahead and, and be the start of counterattacking or be able to get that ball into in the right place at the right time uh, so that the midfielders and, and, the, and, the, and the attacking unit can go ahead and do what they do best. Um, so, I, so I do think that things like that will change the outcome of the game. Uh, and, and that's what swayed me to, to picking the, the Liverpool United uh, draw. I just felt that they weren't going to be able to get enough offense going. Uh, and, and United's defense that game was, you know, unbelievably organized and they played really well. So yeah, it's very possible. Okay. So basically what they're saying and what I'm going to tell you is this. Don't touch this game until you find out about some injuries. Look for the injuries. You've got some edges to look for. you got three or four weeks. We'll be talking about this more. But Liverpool has a shaky defense. Leipzig, who knows what's going to happen with them. So what we want to look for is injuries. And pay attention to the injuries in the domestic league and how they're playing in the domestic league. That's another way to determine who's going to win this game or who ought to make your bet. Because we don't care who wins or loses. We only care that we win. That's the end of the day. Now, we've got one more game, but I think we'll probably leave it because the bottom line is we got 10 minutes and we want to talk about a little bit of FA Cup today. What's going on with the FA Cup, guys? Well, I mean, what can you say about the FA Cup? It never, ever fails to produce shocks. I mean, it's probably, you know, the most renowned cup competition on the planet um, in terms of inclusion, you know, we have the non-league involved playing from July before any of the professional teams have actually come back into pre-season. And, you know, we, we you have shocks, twists and turns and upsets left, right and centre. Um, you know, and it, listen, every every manager, the, the interesting thing we spoke about, like foreign managers in, in, in the Premier League, the interesting thing is that all of them have always wanted to coach a team or manage a team in the English FA Cup 
purely because of its 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 prowess, it, the, the the nature of the cup, and um, it hasn't it hasn't let us down, Phil. To be honest with you, it's been um, it's been unbelievable. And we've had some uh, unbelievable upsets. And okay, still so got so t- give us a couple uh, upsets real quick because only we don't have a lot of time. But what was something that was an upset? Well, I mean for you? that. Well, for me, the, the the biggest one was was obviously Chorley. Chorley are in the sixth sixth tier of uh, of English football. There, okay, okay, made now, up of teachers, postmen. You okay. know, okay, yeah, working class guys who play Joe Public, who play yeah, behind Joe the Public, pub. So, yeah, correct. And, and people go into so the... they beat they beat they, they beat Derby County. They beat. I mean, listen, albeit obviously Wayne Rooney's side obviously just took over at Derby. They, they were. Depleted completely. I mean, the, the whole of the, you know, the first team squad were were self isolating. So they, you know, they sent the under 18s, under 21s, under 23s, and um, and 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 they they beat them two 0 and they've set up themselves a tie uh, against Wolves on uh, on Friday night this week. So you know that's um, that's probably the the biggest shock um, of of the of the tie. The, one of the other ones was Marine, who, who were in the similar league. Uh, they're based in Liverpool. They they hosted uh, Tottenham Hotspur. So Mourinho was there. Gareth Bale was there. I think they sold something like twenty five, thirty thousand virtual tickets to watch the game. Which, in terms of revenue for the club, that's why you know that's the beauty of the FA Cup for these non league teams. It it earns them a fortune and and you know you know makes them financially secure for you know at least five years. So you know these. Um, Lots of twists and turns been had, and it'd be really, really interesting to see and lovely to watch Charlie against Wolves on uh, on Friday night. Okay, so when you say L- listen, the, when you say the, sixth the financial, edition, go ahead. I'm sorry. The the financial implications for someone like a Charlie is is incredible. I mean, they they may you know uh, earn typically two to three hundred thousand pounds. But now that they've made it to this level, their club's probably going to earn four to five hundred thousand pounds. I mean, money like that, as Gaz was saying, is 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 life changing for for a club of, of that level. Correct. OK, yeah. so when you, when you exactly now, here's the thing, guys, most people listening to this show, because most of our audience is American, have no idea what the sixth division is. But I do. I went to a Cambridge game about 17 years ago. I was coaching a girl from Cambridge and. Their father took me to this game. It was behind in some pitch without lights, but more importantly, at halftime, everybody had coffee together, players and fans alike, and then they went off, had a snack, and came back out. Basically, it's like your church league softball team in America. you know. So this is a big upset, and that's why the FA Cup is so great, right? Because of these big upsets. These teams who have no shot in hell of beating a Liverpool could go out and beat a Liverpool, right? Correct. That's the yeah, whole what point. a lovely stadium. Listen, I, I, I've actually played at the Abbey Stadium before as well in Cambridge many, 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 oh, many years Oh, you ago. know. It's, it was actually, actually longer than 17 years. It's probably about 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, we went down there on, on a cold February evening, and I, I remember it was it was ice cold. You know, the, if you obviously you've been there, Phil, and the, mm-hmm. the, the winds come in, and oh my days, the pitch was frozen solid, and yes. we travelled five five hours during the day, you know, overnight, you know, and um, you know, I think we, we ended up getting beat, and we 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 just didn't fancy it as a team that 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 night, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, but we, we yeah, that's the romance of the cup. That's what that's what 
you know, that's what it's all about. And as Eric said, you know, the revenues and, you know, the teams, they, listen, teams who have got through to this particular stage and, you know, a couple of weeks ago into the third round, like I say, they've probably played five or six games to get there. Um, and if, if had these games being aired on TV, then, as Eric said, the, the, the revenue would have probably doubled. So your four, your 500,000 turns into a million, you know, and, you know, that's a sustainable football club for the next 15, 20 years, you know, in terms of what what they have to pay out and their overheads and things like that. And, you know, it's um, it's 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 mega to see. And, you know, one of the, well, actually one of the Chorley players who will play on um on uh, Friday night, Lewis Lewis Baines. He was um, he was one of the kids I actually signed at Oldham. So it's 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 brilliant to see him doing doing really well. Um, you know, and 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 again, like the Jamie Vardy story at Leicester. You know, it's a stepping stone for all these young kids to, you know, get a little bit of airtime, shop window, and you never know who's watching. Um, so you know, who knows what can come of a, a decent uh, FA Cup FA Cup run. So. I love it. Absolutely love watching it. But for Shirley to win that game, it was like a high school team trying to be- beating the New York Yankees. Yeah. That's why FA Cup is so great. But <laughs> yeah. it's also so difficult to predict. Now, when you look at the lines, they're crazy. They're all yeah. over the place. What was another upset real quick? Eric, do you have an upset over West- there with the FA Cup? Yeah, West Brom lost out to uh, Blackpool. Now, I know West Brom is bottom of the bottom of the EPL, but, you know, they've recently made some changes and have shown some light, life. But, uh, yeah, for them to lose out to League One Blackpool, that's 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 probably upsetting for a lot of people at West Brom. I think that was a tie. Well, listen, 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 Leslie. That it was, was a tie. They lost on penalties, right? Yeah, but it, it, that was a tactical move from, from Sam Allardyce. I mean, he's he's only just gone in there, you know. He's um, you know, he's proven at getting teams out of the relegation zone. I mean, these uh, you know, West Brom are are are, are in as deep as they could possibly possibly be in terms of a relegation fight, and you know, he's he's done it with every other team that he's that he's gone into, um, and and they didn't play a, a you know a full squad. Listen, them coming out of the the FA Cup will only stand them in good stead in terms of where they finish in the league this year. So, you know, I think you you have to factor that in to the, to the conversation. Point. But brilliant, absolutely brilliant for Blackpool because they they need some serious um, serious financial backing at the moment. Crawley Town beating Leeds was pretty big too, right? Would you consider that an upset? Well, listen, listen, they didn't just beat Leeds. I watched that game. They, they won were by absolutely. Three. Unbelievable. I mean, Leeds had Kevin Phillips played. You know, they they had a, a decent side out that you know on paper. If I was the Crawley manager looking at, it, I think Jesus, we're in for a little bit of a tough tough afternoon. But they were outstanding. I mean, the first goal that Crawley scored, um, the name of the scorer escapes me. Um, but the the way he took his goal, I think he picks it up back to. He's only a small guy as well. He picks it up back to goal. Um, Two defend two Leeds players around him. Um, a little step over, a little drag back, goes past the whole of the Leeds defence and slots it into the bottom right hand corner. I mean, he was on. I think he was he was on actually on camera um, at the end of the game for an interview, and he basically um, he broke down. He almost broke down in tears in terms of 
telling telling the public and telling the you know the the reporter what he'd actually been through to actually get to playing for Crawley, and you know his his estimate you know his his um, popularity went up a hundredfold within that short space of three minutes. It was it was absolutely brilliant to see, you know, and that's another side of the FA Cup. You know, as I said before, it gives other players another chance and lads that might have just missed out professionally go down into the non-league and then they get the chance in the FA Cup and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to set my eyes on you again. Do you understand what I mean? So there's so many different positives that come from come from the FA Cup and that's why everybody loves it um, and everybody watches it with, um, with sort of trepidation and fear and nervousness and excitement and so... Listen, I, I, as I said, I, I love it. It's brilliant. Okay, so you know what? The bottom line is, is we did our best today to teach you a little bit about handicapping and a little bit about our process. We hope to get you some FA picks maybe. that's Those lines are unbelievable, and if you can pick an upset, you're rolling right along. That's for sure. You can find this show daily at CSN Sports Radio. It's on at 7 p.m. Eastern, I believe, and... Folks are making money listening to this show, and as you listen today, you can see why. You can find the show also at every podcast catcher known to man. The Pro Soccer Weekly is there all day long. Just subscribe, and it'll be delivered to your podcast catcher of choice. You can also listen to the show at philnasonshow.com. We have picks available, premium picks, and those picks are available at cashwithflash.com that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Pro Soccer Weekly I want to thank my guys my co-hosts are amazing we also want to send out a special shout out to our special friend thanks again for those prayers he seems to be doing pretty good and we also have another shout out my friend Scarlett have a great day and thanks for listening Scartastic for Eric Laurentini and Gary Lewis, I'm Phil Nasons, and we want to thank you for listening to Pro Soccer Weekly. You've been listening to Pro Soccer Weekly. Join us in our next installment for all of your pro soccer news on Pro Soccer Weekly. Pro Soccer Weekly. Pro Soccer Weekly.